I opened that day with 250 bucks to my name. Oh my and it was God. and it was borrowed from my girlfriend. Oh my God. And then how did yeah, opening dude. day go? Did you guys make a lot of money? First year I cleared $1.5 million gross. Incredible. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Haley, and I am joined by Justin Shire, 2023 Chicago Pro Champion, but far more importantly than that, an extremely emotionally intelligent and uh, business savvy man that we just have a phenomenal conversation for you guys. Be ready for this one. It's an emotional roller coaster, and I'm still a little bit shaken from it phenomenal phenomenal man you guys are about to meet i'm excited to introduce you guys so without further ado justin shire grower die podcast love us like us share us with your friends i'll see you inside justin shire grower die podcast if you were here in person i would shake your hand unfortunately i'm not able to but listen I don't want any small talk. I want to hop right into this. You own a cannabis farm and you don't even smoke weed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How that does seems that to work? Be a, I don't know. You know, that seems to be a big surprise every time somebody hears that I own the cannabis company, but I don't actually smoke. They're kind of blown away. But, you know, for me, honestly, I mean, you could boil it down to, you know, never get high on your own supply. But on, <laughs> uh, but honestly, I just... uh it just doesn't really work with me. And, you know, there was a time that I used to smoke and I enjoyed it. And uh, but now that's just kind of came and went. And and uh, I just honestly, dude, if I were high right now doing this interview, I wouldn't be speaking at all. <laughs> I might be I, high while doing this interview. You have no idea. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So honestly, some, for some people, it works great. And like, yeah. I, I think I think a lot of people get, a, a, you know, tremendous benefits from it, whether, you know, in the bodybuilding space, whether that's appetite or, you know, ability to connect with movements when training, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? But for me, I feel like a fumbling, bumbling idiot yeah. when, I, when I'm smoking. So it just, you know, it doesn't really work. I don't love doing things under any sort of influence. Like if I'm going to have a, a, a glass of um, wine or if I'm going to have, uh, sure. if I'm going to smoke some things, I, it's going to be an extreme downtime setting where there's right. not responsibilities. I don't understand. It's funny. I train at a really, really um, culturally specific gym is the best way to put it. It's on the east side of Austin. What's, it's called Lift okay, that's that gr- the yeah, yeah, that place looks sweet. Yeah, it's super cool. It is not the best bodybuilding gym in Austin. But Thomas sure. and I train there because honestly, dude, like the vibes are so good. And when you're training in a place that elevates your vibe, it just brings more to the table, in my opinion. It's such a healthy environment there. But listen, I pull up to this gym every single day and I'm walking in from the back of the parking lot. You know, I got to park for the furthest away overachieving. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. walking in and you'll smell <laughs> you gotta weed. You got to get your steps in, bro. You got to get your steps in. But dude, you'll smell weed every day just yeah. walking in it's unbelievable it's so cool um but like i'm not one of those guys that enjoys doing that very much you yeah. got how did you get involved in cannabis because my my understanding right now justin i've looked into getting involved here in alston as yeah. it's decriminalized um yet it's not legal yet we have dispensaries that are are open yeah. and you guys have selling. you guys have medical dispensaries correct we have medical dispensaries, but yeah. you can get a medical card by, you can get one there at the dispensary. Oh, really? So really? it's quote unquote medical. That's it. That's interesting. It's, it's there. They've worked around I, ways to basically. I know Texas is really weird about the prohibition. They're, they're 
hardcore against it. They are, but you know? Austin is, you know, Austin super, I'm super liberal. And yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's definitely it. Yeah. It's a, a paradox within Texas, right? It's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of, it's right. It's its own, it's its own little thing. It is. I love what we do here. <laughs> I love what we do here. Yeah. But. It's cool. I love, I love Austin. I haven't been out there for a long time, but I'd really love to make it out. And, and obviously I can come hang out with yeah, you. Dude, but, we're gonna yeah, dude. We're going to get a training session. So cool. We're going to get you on the podcast and I'm going to smoke your weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, so I'll, I'll bring it. Yeah. My understanding, I want to get started in it really bad here, but dude, they want like a million dollar buy-in to get involved yeah. in Austin. And like, I mean, man, yeah. that's intense. How did you get started? So I got in on like the first year of legalization out here. My started my dispensary. I was one of the first, I was like a second dispensary in my town okay. here in Oregon in, in 2017. Um, and at that time it was like uh, the floodgates opened licensing was $5,000 through the state. You pay for your license. As long as you have a 21 and up location, which I'm, I'm in my town, you're kind of like have to be a thousand feet from a school, a thousand feet from another dispensary, a thousand feet from a park, a thousand feet from uh, daycare. Right. So there's these small little slivers of town that I'm able to be in. Mm-hmm. I got a spot. I got my my land use compatibility statement. I paid my five grand. I dumped everything I had at this place. And you know, the funny thing is, like, I started I started this business just on a shoestring budget, man. 2017, my brother and myself, we went liquid on this place. You know, we were working 16, 18 hour days. You know, I'm it's two in the morning and I'm redoing the hardware floors myself. You know, I had a gym membership to a 24 hour gym. My brother was training with me at the time. We would leave there at like 1 a.m. We'd go train. There was a 24 hour subway right next to the gym. I'd get subway. I'd go home. I'd be back up and I'd be, you know, going to the the dispensary again and just did everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have a choice, but, um, you know, you look at these success stories and, and, um, on opening day, I had spent so much money because I had to staff this place. It was like a six-month process getting my license. I had to staff it. I had employees, products to purchase, everything. You know, A lot of these companies don't want to work on 30-day nets when you're a brand new business. So I just went liquid. On opening day, I actually borrowed $250 from my now wife, but it was my girlfriend at the time. I borrowed $250 to put $125 in each till because I have two tills. Yeah. And I opened that day with 250 bucks to my name oh my and it was, God. and it was borrowed from my girlfriend. Oh my God. And then how did yeah, opening day go? Did you guys make a lot of money? First year I cleared $1.5 million. Gross. Incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. bro. But, Talk about but changing listen, your life. Oh, I was scared. It yeah. was like, you know, we're spending money we didn't have, you know what I mean? Yeah. I went and I, I, I had my truck that was paid off. So I, I went and, you know, went to the bank and got a loan out of my truck. Now I got a $500 car payment that I can't even really make, but I've got this little bit of money that we're putting in the dispensary. And like, you know, these little things that you do, these risks that you take this, any investment, any business, it's high risk and you have to put yourself out there. A lot of these guys, you know, this whole, it must be nice. Well, it wasn't nice. It was really stressful and it was really scary and it was a lot of hard work, but listen, that pays off. If you're passionate about something and you believe you can do it, then go all in. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I said, dude, that first day I was in my pants, yep. you know, I borrowed, borrowed 200 bucks to open up my store. Yeah. That's you know? And if you walk and you walked into the store, you see a freshly remodeled store loaded full of flour. You see like all my nice bud tenders, music's playing. You'd think, wow, this is all right. This guy's got it together. I'm in the back office, like God, freaking out. Works. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Justin, yeah. I mean, I, I believe, I believed in myself, you know what I mean? I believed in, in what we built, but yeah, yeah. it's like, I, you never really know, right? How old were you in 2017? So that would have been 
six years ago. So I'd have been like 29. 29, 29. Yeah. So what were you doing professionally before you opened up this cannabis shop? So my brother and I, well, we, we had been like growing cannabis for a while, but yeah. what we were really, what we were really doing was, uh, I was Did you just say you were a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, low, low key, low key, low key. No, but, um, so I, I, I did, I, I actually had been growing cannabis on the medical market and, and, you know, you had these medical dispensaries before they went legal mm -hmm. and we would be selling to the medical dispensaries. So that was something that we would, my brother and I would do, and we would, you know, travel up and down the state and sell to these dispensaries. And every time we went to the dispensaries, the owners would always be like, take a look at your flyer. And they're like, yeah, no, thanks. Bye-bye. You know, no, thanks. Okay. Yeah. We'll buy some, but it's just so nonchalant. You're like, dude, I need to be that guy. Yeah. I'm tired of being this guy. Yeah. I need to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like the guy sitting in his back office telling me he's good and shooing me away. Like, yeah. you know, that, that, that was the guy with the control, right? I was like, he has the control. You know what I mean? This guy, these guys are controlling the market. And now I'm, I'm obviously I have my cannabis farm and I have my dispensary. So I'm vertically integrated. I buy my own product for myself. I'm the man. I'm the man. You know what I mean? And I, I made sure of that. So 100% of money stays in house. Yes, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. We, we buy a lot of product from other people. Yeah. We source, um, you know, like a lot of extracts and edibles and things like that, that I don't do in-house. Um, but yeah, as, as a lot of my flower on the shelf is myself. Uh, but prior to that, like you asked, I was uh, painting homes for a living. My brother, my dad, and myself it, were in construction, paint, yeah. uh, small construction and painting homes. That's what we did. I did that for like 10, 12 years. Okay, so you had this skill set from doing small time construction jobs that you were able yeah. to then apply to, because that was going to be my next question is, okay, you bought this space that needed a lot of remodeling. And like, yeah. like uh, me personally, I don't have the tools equipped to yeah. be able to yeah. remodel somewhere. So like, like, that's a skill. You have to learn that somewhere. Well, so you learned that. In, yeah, I learned that for years working with my dad, my dad, you know, basically out of high school, like I, I did some other small jobs. I like my first job, I was, uh, fuck, I worked in an RV shop and I was, uh, and I was cleaning RVs, like pressure washing, cleaning RVs. And then I worked at a big five selling shoes. And then I worked at a cabinet shop. So like I did my, I did that 17 to 21 jobs. Like, and then like, I was watching my brother who's three years older than me work with my dad. Mm -hmm. And then I'm watching my brother make, you know, thousand bucks a week. And like, you know, he's him and my dad are like, getting beers at lunch and, and, you know, rocking out together, coming home after hard days work. It's sweaty and hard. My brother's got a pocket full of cash. I'm like, mm -hmm. why am I like working for these assholes at big five selling shoes? You know, so then I'm working with my dad and I did a little bit of that through high school, mm -hmm. but you know how it is when you're young, you want to, you almost want to rebel. You're like, I'm not going to go work for dad. Yep. Like my brother, I don't work for my dad. But then you realize working for your dad, that was the foundation of everything. Yeah. I learned, I learned all I know about hard work. I learned everything I know about being a man and a provider by spending that decade working with my father who showed me what real hard work is, man. Mm -hmm. It was every, it was everything I attribute. Every, I attribute everything I have to, uh, from bodybuilding to business, to everything from watching my dad grind, man. Mm -hmm. Like my dad is like blue collar to the gills. You know what yep. I mean? Like he's just that guy. No one outworks him. I was 22 years old and just watching this 50 year old man just run circles around us. Like mm -hmm. I, get, I couldn't, couldn't fathom how hard my dad could work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was, there was so much carryover from that. And that, you know, honestly, I, 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 uh, my dad inspires me so much, you know, and I probably don't tell him enough, Yeah. but, yeah. but, um, when, when I'm, I mean it, man, when I'm on the stair stepper and I'm four weeks out and I don't want to do it, I, I honestly do. I think about my dad. I'm like, 
what would my dad do? My dad would get it done, man. Like the amount of times, and I'm sorry, I get emotional thinking about it because, you know. It means something to you. You should, it means you so, love it, it, mean, it means so much to me, man. And like, like, uh, you know, there's like those, we'd work weekends. We'd work long hours, like five o'clock hit. It didn't matter. We're staying, we're getting this, we're getting this job done. You know what I mean? There was so much of that that I had seen and persevered through that I didn't want to do. I was like, dad, it's five. I want to go home. You know what I mean? But my dad was like, we got to get this done. And then I didn't, I didn't realize I reflect back on it now. I'm like, I didn't realize that he wasn't, that wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. That was so my dad could provide for us as kids. He could provide for my mother. He could provide for my family. My dad didn't do anything for himself. All that hard work and grit and grind was for his family, dude. You know what I mean? So I think, I think about that now and I got, man, man, I'm, I'm, my dad inspires the enemy. And now you look around to everything that, that you have, um, you know, you obviously won your professional debut, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, yeah. You obviously have these sponsors that you're repping HD muscle trained by JP, yeah. two of the yeah, most yeah. reputable companies that there are. Um, yeah. You know, you, I, I know you have a sick BMW X5. You still got that BMW X5. That's what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. 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 We got the I same car. Brother. I love that thing, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think I just put on my story, like a, a video of all oh, my wife filmed it of yeah. me launching it yeah it's so much fun it's, just, it's so, so fun different. but you you've got yeah. everything that you have around you you can contribute back or attribute back to you know what you learned from your father um yeah. let me ask you was there ever a time in your life where you and your father kind of butted heads because you're you're a very strong-willed man and obviously what you're explaining with him he's very strong-willed was there a time you guys butted heads Every day, brother. Yeah, every day. Still, <laughs> still to this day. Uh, no, not not to this day. Yeah. No, there's like, but like, you know, I was a I was a young guy. My brother was, a, you know, I'll I'll say this: myself and my brother were never meant to work for somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I struggle with people telling me what to do. I'm, I run on my own schedule. Like anybody knows me, it's called Shire Time. I was 20 minutes late to this appointment. Oh my god, I have you. just in time, dude. I have just in <laughs> yeah, just same, in time. Bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, my dad, I drove my dad bonkers for 10 years. You know what I mean? And like, he, and like, my dad is not the guy that's gonna pull you aside and be like, "Hey, man, you know, I just want to let you know that you're kind of slacking. I'd really like you to pick up, and you know, we can do better." My dad was the guy who said, "Get the off the couch and get to work." Yeah. What are you doing? He'd walk into a room. I'm supposed to be sand. Him on my phone, get off your phone. What yeah. the are you doing? You know, like, yeah. And I used to think, my god, my dad's an asshole. And that, mm -hmm. yes, but I was the asshole. I was in, I was off playing on my phone, yeah. and my dad's taking this serious. You know yeah. what I mean? I was the, I was the asshole. That's powerful. That's powerful. So, you yeah. wanted to get into bodybuilding. Um, I, I, I want to hear more about, um, you, you were riding bikes. You were like doing some like BMX bike riding stuff. Um, yeah. and what, what was going on there? I'm not very well versed on that side of you. Well, I mean, I, I grew up riding BMX out of high yeah. school. That's what I, that's what I did. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, it, it, there were people at my high school that were like in the gym training and, and loved sports, football, wrestling, and they were, you know, in the gym training and like i had a, a weightlifting class i hated it i remember <laughs> i remember i had weightlifting right after lunch yeah and i would go get high every lunch wow. so like i would walk into the weight room yeah. high and i remember specifically this one situation where my the uh instructor put me with this little wrestler kid and he was like okay. five foot four and was a meathead and uh puts us on the bar and we're benching i watch this kid bench and, and i'm assuming at the time 
I'm assuming it's 135 because he slapped some weight on the bar. It was probably a plate. And then he just started repping it, mm-hmm. racks it. And I watch this kid do 10 reps with it. And I get under it and I can't get it off my chest. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Like, what the this? You know, and I, used, I was like, these meatheads, these guys are idiots. Mm-hmm. Like, I hated it. I rejected it because I rode BMX and it was just this like really niche thing that no one knew about. It was like, it was like skateboarding. You know what I mean? Like, it's the anti it's the That's anti the are at. anti-jock right yeah so like i was off getting high and going to the skate park and riding street and these kids were like lifting weights like idiots you yeah. know what i mean that's hilarious so let me ask i know you, um you're let's see you're 35 now 35 yeah if 14 year old justin meets 35 year old justin how's this conversation go how's the impression that 14 year old justin has on 35 year old justin well, you know what? I like to think I'm a pretty cool guy and I think I could charm that kid, but yeah. it, that 14 year old kid might think I'm a douche. Yeah. Just because you're big, <laughs> just because you got big yeah. muscles, you drive a nice yeah. car. But listen, that's not, you know, not necessarily true because my favorite movies growing up, I mean, Terminator 2 is my favorite mm-hmm. movie growing up. I love Terminator 2. I loved Arnold. I was a huge fan. And I think, you know, as kids, we're always, you know, He Man and like that, like our era as kids. Because how old are you? I'm 30. So similar, okay, so but at the end, similar yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. So like our our era, man. Like our superheroes, you know, weren't you know Iron Man. They were no. they were Arnold and Van Damme. Yeah, dude. It was you know these guys were badass and they were Jack. Yeah, Johnny Bravo was so someone I, who I, grew, I looked I up to. Grew, Johnny Bravo was a pimp, dude. I had an uncle, and I and you know he he passed away some years ago, but um. We used to call him Johnny Bravo. And I didn't know at the time that like I used to go, I used to go to his house, like my aunt's house. Mm-hmm. So I'd go stay with my cousin. I'd go to the bathroom and he have he would have muscle uh, uh, uh bodybuilding magazines. And I remember looking at these magazines and they had striated glutes. And as a kid, I seen striated glutes. I said, What the fuck is that? Like mm-hmm. just gr- I thought it was gross, mm-hmm. right? But my my uncle was was super big into bodybuilding and I and he was like Jay Cutler fan. He had dyed blonde hair that he used to yeah. slick back, he used to wear like jean cut off shorts and tall big boots but i didn't know that what that was back then and now i look back i'm like dude he was into hardcore 90s bodybuilding that's why he looked like that <laughs> you know you know what i mean so, so what, was he the first bodybuilder you knew yeah for sure like he wasn't a bodybuilder but he was a guy that you know was he was always big growing up and i remember it's funny we used to see my brother and i used to see my uncle and we would see him and he clearly had a pump Right. He just came from the gym. He was like beat red and had a pump. We, I remember as kids, we we're like, why does Uncle Todd look like that? <laughs> I'm serious. I remember it. Like, and like sometimes you just come over, he'd be like so flushed with blood, just came from the gym, like beat red. They're like, and clearly like on a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you, know, absolutely. you know what I mean? Yeah. And as kids, we were just like, why does Uncle Todd look like that? That's like so weird, you know? Yeah. So does Uncle but, yeah. Todd, I, you said Uncle Todd passed away. Um, yeah. Was he, was he alive when you earned your professional status? No, no. Oh, he, he actually, okay. he actually, uh, yeah, he actually took his own life about twelve years ago, I think. At this point, that's tough. Been, been, that's been tough. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was really, really, really tough. Okay. Um, but do you, do you feel like some of your? I, I would assume that some of your current bodybuilding is, was inspired by Uncle Todd. Yeah. I think about my uncle a lot, man, and yeah. uh, my cousin, who's his his son. He, you know, he's always commenting and telling me that, you know, uncle Todd's proud, you know, my uncle Todd would, would love what I'm doing. He was, cause he was so into it, you know, and uh, I never got the chance. He knew I was working out. Like I, at that time I was like coming in and out of the gym, but I was still yeah. a BMX kid. Yeah. And I think that's, we're kind of veering off that. Cause that's what we were talking about was BMX. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah. So I like out of, out of high school, my brother rode bikes and I was like, my brother was the man. He was my best friend. It's the guy I looked up to most in the world. And he got into BMX and I followed that, you know, but that was my thing. Like bodybuilding is our thing now is BMX. Like I obsessed over BMX. It was all I thought about. It was everything for, you know, 10 plus years. So did you want to pursue that professionally or did you know that at some point there was an end to the BMX? Well, you know, my, uh, my childhood best friend, he did this, he rode BMX professionally and he took it to a very high level. And it was very obvious, just like in bodybuilding, we, you know, he had what it took and, and I just didn't quite have that. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. How and, did that make uh, you like feel? I, was that tough? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's like a tough realization, but it's not really, it's like, um, he was a maniac and he put his life at risk constantly and excelled and poured everything into it. And I just knew, I was like, I'm never really going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was talented and I was good at riding my bikes. Like, don't get me wrong. I could do a backflip on a bike and tail up and I could grind handrails. I could do it all, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like there. These guys are wired differently. Mm-hmm. They're my, my friend, he's a absolute psychopath. Mm-hmm. And that's what, it, that's what it takes to excel at a very, very high level in a sport like that. Seems like maybe a lack of fear, just extreme courage. For sure. To kind of put yourself into, I mean, you're kind of putting yourself into harm's way with some of the, yeah. You know, mixed with a ridiculous amount of talent, you know yeah. what I mean? My guy, my buddy, Sean, he's one of those guys that like, I don't know, never been snowboarding, but he's going to jump the biggest jump at, at the mountain on a snowboard. I'm you know what I mean? Like, the, I am not, I'm not, guy. I'm not that guy. I mean, I'm, I can tinker, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm like, I can wakeboard, I can snowboard, I could skateboard, I could ride BMX, I could do these things. But it's it just like, you know, one of those guys that can just do anything. Yeah. Like, how you never, like, I took my buddy Sean into the gym. Yeah. And like, he did like a muscle up his first time ever, ever being in the gym. Jesus. And it was like, he's like, what are those things that like people do the, I was like, oh, muscle up. And at the time I could do a muscle up. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. Very. And he just walked into the gym and did it. And then like he benched 275 the first time he ever tried bench pressing. Jeez. You know, I'm like, just I was like, freak. what? A freak. Yeah, of just, a, just, yeah. Just one of those weirdos that could just do anything. You know what I mean? Like could race a race car and, and yeah. ride a BMX bike. And like, you know, and I didn't quite have it like that. So this is shifting into bodybuilding. I realized I realized pretty quickly, I was like, oh, I, I was good at writing BMX, but I can actually be great at this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you, know? you started training, you started like really training bodybuilding and there's a lot that I want to talk about here because, um, I, I, I still remember Justin, the first time I ever, I realized who you were the first time I ever saw your picks. Um, yeah. and obviously there was a lot of work that was a backstory behind those picks, but I went to your page and there's so many great physiques and there's so many guys that you can follow, look up to yada, yada. I went to your page and I saw the training footage and I was like, this guy is, uh, he's a technical well, at the time you were very technically sound. Now I would say you're a technical master behind the training footage, but I'm assuming knowing the BMX background and then also the construction background, you went into the gym and you had a hyper focus or obsession on the technicalities of what your body was doing, um, how the weight should be moved, um, how you should set up in machines that was kind of far before understanding how to give full effort. Um, would you say that to be true that you were really obsessed on the technicalities first? Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment. I think um, 
a lot of what I've done in the past has been very attention detailed. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a lot, there's a lot of nuance to BMX and there's a lot of nuance to training. You know what I mean? And like you, it's just like BMX where you can watch a guy do a, a run in a bowl and you can watch him do all the same tricks as the other guy. But then you watch the other guy do it and there's just something about the way okay. this guy did, did it. You know what I mean? It's just like the flow and the execution. And and uh, some people are just clunky and move weird. And, I, and I've and i always like even riding BMX, I was just a guy that, that moved really well on my bike. OK. You know? OK. And I, th- I think that carried over into maybe not intentionally, you know, it's just kind of carried over into into bodybuilding. But I've I've um, I've really found the value in honing in on execution and these subtle nuances within training. And it's, and it's obviously become kind of my shtick, right? It's become my thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's because, I mean, I, I execute like that because I believe in it and I know it works Absolutely. and I understand, I understand the value in it and I understand the return on investment there is behind, you know, pouring everything into these execution parameters, but then also finding that balance where you have to be progressive. You have to train yeah. hard. It's like, I tell guys, you can train perfectly and not hard enough. And it, and it, it's meaningless. Yep. Or you can train really hard and it is so far away from training right and perfect that it's also meaningless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you see a lot of guys that kind of hover in this middle ground, right? And it's, it works. But I think the guys that are truly making these, these progress, you know, leaps and bounds from year to year, are the guys that are able to really nail their execution and train really hard and maintain that that balance where you're not just chasing load, you're also chasing precision. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something that I really enjoy about your training, Justin, is I'm a very firm believer in working the loaded stretch and really emphasizing yeah. the loaded stretch of movements. And I was watching you four or five months ago. Um mm-hmm. I was watching you on that, uh, that you love that underhand single arm pull down. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I'm watching you. I'm watching you work through this. And while you're working that eccentric, it's, it's, it's a beautiful tempo that you have, but the, as you work the eccentric, you're actually slowing down a bit. You're actually intentionally, like I call it hitting the break. And as yes. you near the top, it's much slower than where you started the eccentric. And it's just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you practice that on almost all of your movements? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really the control of those end ranges, right? Like, it's pretty easy to just like let that pull you in. Yeah. And then and then pull back down. And I think there's so much value in like, like you said, kind of putting on the brakes, easing into that stretch pause and then pull. I don't think it should ever be a direct speed to a stop and then a direct speed out of the pole. There should always be some ramping up and ramping down. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that thought process. So would you subscribe to the belief? My theory on control is at any point of the rep, you should be able to switch directions. Um, That's that's kind of a Nick Gloth belief um, who also has beautiful training. Do you kind of subscribe to that as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's some something to be said for like, um, you know, maximal output, like especially uh, generating as much force as possible out of these stretch phases. You know what I mean? So I think that um, there is there is a fine line. Like, I think if you're dumbbell pressing and you're pausing the stretch and you blow up, like, I don't think you should be able to stop an inch off your chest after that press because you should have so much more 
momentum and so much force coming out of that lengthened phase okay. that that shouldn't be possible. If that if that if that makes sense, it does. You know what I mean. But I think that a lot of people, a lot of people, like let's just let's say like a lying hamstring curl. Yeah, I think not enough people will treat a lying hamstring curl the same way they treat a bicep curl, right? Where you would lengthen lengthen a bicep and then you would squeeze it. Yeah. But what you see is people yanking and throwing out of that stretch phase of a hamstring curl where they're generating so much momentum into that contraction that they're that they're missing that range and it's and it's um i think it's just like if you were to ever like do a, a front double bicep on stage you're never gonna go like wham yeah you know what i mean you're gonna flex and contract that makes so sense. i think there is there is something that to be said for controlling out of that end range with some control where it's just not all force yeah. from the length and into the shortened there should be some some control of those end ranges to where you're actually contracting and utilizing the muscle. I think not enough people realize how much secondary muscle they're recruiting when they're trying to just be explosive, mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's, I think there's some nuance where it's movement to movement. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not gonna be the same for every single movement in the gym. I think that you listed uh, two really important movements here just now. First, you're talking about briefly discuss a dumbbell chest press. Um, mm -hmm. I really don't want to make this a whole training podcast. So I, I That's wanna, all right. I, the, yeah, the issue yeah. is you and I could talk about training all day. <laughs> I get, you know what? I, I told my wife, I was like, I know this guy's big into training and bodybuilding. Yeah. I said, I feel like we're probably going to talk about training. I know. I know. We, we I know are we could. riding a fine line right now. So mm -hmm. you mentioned hamstring curl. You mentioned uh, chest press. Um, these are two. I just see them effed all the time um, because of what you're talking about. So I want to spend a little bit of time on these to be able to give the listeners um, a, an accurate visualization through our words of what we're discussing. So on a dumbbell chest, number one, if you don't follow Justin on Instagram, you absolutely have to go watch his training. You'll see what we're talking about. Like if you do it right now and you can actually see what we're talking about in this next step, um, it's just Justin Shire, S-H-I-E-R. And obviously you know how to spell Justin if you're on this podcast. So um, you're going to see in the training, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not sure if you have any dumbbell press videos on your instagram it's not a movement that i see you do very much i i it's something i haven't done for a little while it's funny i actually was just gonna put in some dumbbell presses last week okay and there was these kids were just clogging the dumbbell uh, bench and i just was like okay i'm gonna just keep doing this nautilus press i've been doing yeah but i uh, but yeah i love a good i love a good dumbbell press but you know how it is when you find when you start clicking with a movement like i have two chest presses i've been running for six months straight you have that incline I'm, press yeah, I have like incline hammer, but then I've also yep. been running this uh, incline Nautilus press that I've yeah. actually been really liking lately. But like, you know, you you find a groove and a movement. You're like, well, I'm adding two and a half pounds every single week yeah. or a rep. And you can ride that wave for six months. And I was like, if if you're not, if you're still progressing and you're getting more out of the movement, then then no need to switch it out. And I, I kind of thrive off that. Some people don't enjoy that. But, you know, I was talking about it the other day. I got that hammer strength dip machine. I've had that hammer strength dip in my chest uh, routine for at least a year straight. And I, yeah. and if I've stalled, I'm like, I'm going to put it here instead of here, or I'm going to do a 20 rep set instead of a 12. Like I just really like the movement and I can find different ways to approach it, to, to continue progressing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'm, it's, it, I don't need to throw it out. If yeah. I've just like been three weeks and don't progress. You and I went back and yeah. forth very briefly when you posted that, uh, that, that dip, that was really pretty. So yeah. How I want to see a dumbbell press perform in a hamstring, a line hamstring curl, they're both going to be roughly the same. When you're getting to that stretch range, 
I mm-hmm. really believe the focus of the set should be making that stretch range as absolutely difficult as possible. And 100%. I really believe in both of these. If we don't have an element of a pause at the bottom or a momentum break at the bottom, which the easiest way to ensure a momentum break is by pausing, then yeah. as soon as we go to switch to the concentric and we press up, you're not going to be able to get that same pec recruitment or hamstring recruitment without the hips helping in, in, in the um, hamstring curl or in a dumbbell press, the anterior delts and triceps just really heavily assisting. And I don't say that because I often talk about like muscle muscle bias. Like we just want to bias the muscle. I mean, a bias is 60, right. 40. That's a bias. I was going to say a bias is just anything that is favoring one over the other. It's you know not I mean? 100 it's like, to nothing. Well, that's what I talk about. Like, okay, this is going to be a ham, ham and glute biased uh, deadlift. Well, that doesn't mean my back isn't working. It's just me. I'm, I'm intentionally biasing the hams and glutes over the back. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think that's, that's, that's important to differentiate because a lot of people go, well, doesn't your back get worked? I'm like, well, duh, of course, <laughs> of just course like my glutes and hams get worked. Yeah. Yeah. When I do a bent over dumbbell, bent over barbell row, my glutes and hams get worked, but I, you know, the back is taking the brunt of the load. Absolutely. You know? So that's a very important distinguishing to make there, but mm-hmm. we want, what I like doing is just, we get to the bottom of that chest press, bottom of that hamstring press, slow it down and put your mind, literally put your mind inside of that muscle and i like for a chest i think about like my my sternum like the middle of my chest and i try Mm -hmm. to squeeze it from the bottom of a press i want to compress this sternum i want to compress this as as much as i can i want to like choke myself out with my pecs yeah like for me that works that's a cue that works super well i'm not sure if you have a cue that works really well on chest for you um, as far as that bottom range I would say like, as far as the bottom range goes, I think a lot of guys will, you'll see people like pause in the stretch, but you can bring a dumbbell all the way down and kind of pause and rest. Like, mm-hmm. like I'll do a DC stretch at the end of my chest day with a dumbbell where I can sit there for two and a half minutes. Wow. That's not what I'm, t- that's not what I'm talking about. Like, you know, Dante Trudell will have like, you know, 90 second, two minute holds like dumbbell pause, just a, a weighted stretch, mm-hmm. which I think is valuable as well, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, coming all the way down and pausing where maximal tension is, is a little bit different, right? So like, I need you to pause at a place that you can't hang out there for two minutes straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want the uh, most force on, on the, on the pec as possible. Mm-hmm. Like it should be really hard to pause there, right? Like you shouldn't be in a resting position. Same goes for a squat where like you ask to grass squats. It's always, you know, we all see the value in knee flexion, getting buried, going down as low as possible. But there's also that place where like certain cultures will sit down and eat a meal for 45 minutes in that squat position. Yeah. I don't want you pausing where you could eat a meal for 45 minutes. I need you to hit that point and then come up about two inches to where your quads are shaking mm-hmm. and it's impossible to hold mm-hmm. and then drive back up. You know what I mean? I like that. I really like that fr- that 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 um, that frame of language and cues. I, I like that. I'm going to use that with my athletes. I'll make yeah. sure you get credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good and stuff. As far, and as far as like a contraction, when I think about a, a chest press, I'm always thinking about like jamming the bicep into the pec. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. The point is to kind of bring the humerus across the chest. Like mm-hmm. that's what the pec does. So when I'm pressing, I just am always actively trying to think about just jamming that bicep into yeah. the pec and forcing as hard a contraction as possible. You're not a big fly chest, guy, are you? Back. Yeah, I am. I love okay. doing flies, but I, but I don't, you know, I I'll do like one flying movement, whether that's like a cable fly or a pec deck and I'll just roast like three sets and call it good. But that's about it. I used yeah. to get big into like heavy dumbbell flies, uh, but I haven't done that in a while. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's really valuable stuff. You, you mentioned earlier the power of belief and you're talking about, you know, with your training style, you believe in what you're doing. And I've had this conversation with Daniel Coffin. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's posing coach heel with steel. Um, I had this conversation with him and he, he says something along the lines of, if you believe it, then it'll work. And it doesn't really matter what that's applied to. If 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 your training is trash, um, there's some you know bodybuilders with unbelievable physiques who come to mind. I'm not going to name anybody on the podcast um, who just have god awful training, but they've they've run it for you know 15 years. They believe yeah. in it, and their physique responds really well. They don't need to go look for other routes to you know of how to improve themselves. If you believe in something. It's going to respond. I think it's kind of the power of neuroplasticity. Um, you know, our brain's ability to rewire itself, our brain's ability to generate buy-in and things like that. What's interesting about you, Justin? You correct me if I'm wrong. You turned pro in four. Sh- uh, you won your pro show. That was your fourth ever show. Yeah, is that mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Yeah. There's this power of belief that you have to have in yourself and all of the systems. Obviously, you're you're working with Matt Jansen, who yeah. you know, everyone has you know their camp and their thought process. To to me, Matt's the best that there is. And um sure. nothing can nothing could take me off of that hill right now. You're working yeah. with him. Your guys' system has worked for quite some time. Um, I first mm. discovered who you were through Matt in maybe 2020, because you turned pro in 21. Yeah, I turned around 21. And yeah. you and I started having dialogue around 20, I think 2020 maybe, because I remember supporting you through that 21 prep. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I remember coming off stage after prejudging and you were one of the first people I seen. Yeah, yeah. We, I we, remember we, that at Nationals. Yeah, we chatted it up. So you've had this power of belief in yourself that what I want to know is where this stems from because what you're telling me at this point, and, and every highly successful individual has a a point where it just clicked and turned for them where, you know what? Like I can't achieve this. Your dad's blue collar. You grew up helping him. You worked in construction. You started your cannabis business with like nothing. You opened day one with 250 bucks that you borrowed from your girlfriend. So on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Where the hell you, you, you had BMX, but you weren't special. You weren't good enough to actually take that somewhere. Where does this power of belief come from? What was the turning point for you where you were like, wait, you know what? Like, I am special. I, I'm I'm a yeah. special dude, and I'm going to show the world my talents. You know, I think uh, I think I've just always looked at things objectively and seen that if someone is doing it, then why can't I? And it's pretty much that simple, you know. And I, I like, especially with starting the businesses, like, you know, I never once told myself I couldn't do it. I was getting you know messages and you know phone calls from buddies who were like, "Hey, man, you know, I don't know. I I heard that I heard this and that about." cannabis dispensaries and oh my buddy owns one it's not all it's chalked up to be and hey maybe you shouldn't and you know all these these doubts you know and i just always was like nah it's gonna work it's gonna work you know what i mean and it's like i'm also one of those guys that i work a little better under pressure Mm -hmm. right so it's like sometimes me extending myself and taking the truck in and getting the loan and going liquid on something you go well now it has to work what choice do i have like i have no other choice this has to work but i think conditioning yourself and telling yourself that it's going to work and not doubting yourself there's so much power in the mind and we know that from 
controlled studies with placebo, like placebo effect is real. So if you can genuinely believe something in your mind that that can help things come to fruition. Now it's not, you can, you know, mold everything with, with, uh, with your belief, you have to be, you know, pragmatic to some extent, but I just always believed I could, I could do it. And I also looked at myself and from my first show, I was like, Oh, I could be a pro. I know I can, I'm, I'm looking at this. Like I did my first show. I won that overall. And I was like, "I, I have, I can be a pro. I could see it. I just needed to be a little bit bigger. Let's keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I just knew right away. I was like, I'm going to be a professional bodybuilder, yeah. you know? And, and, um, and then you won the heavyweight class like right away. Yeah. So I did you I did, I competed in 2019 for the first time. And then I did USA's in 2020 yeah. and I got, I got fourth place in USA's and my, my, my coach and I, we just had a, a bad peak and it wasn't a great prep and just things didn't go well. And the guy who won heavyweights was, nasty peeled peak perfect and he smoked everybody and i was like what the fucking matt was his coach yep okay and i i remember going to matt's page and i followed matt for quite some time at that point you know what i mean we all know matt i've all we all all are aware of matt and fans of matt but um i he made a post about his peaking protocol and he talked about water electrolytes food this that just kind of laid out a very like reader's digest version of kind of what they did leading into the show and i was like that is so different than what i just did mm-hmm. i gotta go i bail i bailed on my previous coach mm-hmm. i hired matt and then the next year we we won won nationals mm-hmm. um but you know i it didn't it didn't even though i know i didn't nail things in 2020 i still was like i'm gonna win my pro card next year you know and i yeah. believed it and i posted something on my story the other day and it was like my logbook from my from my phone. I usually just log everything in my notes, mm-hmm. and I logged um, day one of becoming a pro bodybuilder. Wow! And that, yeah. and that was and that was in like June. I started like a new training log June of 2021. Six months later, I won. Wow. And then right after right after that, I started one that said day one of winning my pro debut. Mm-hmm. And I've got a whole logbook for an entire year. Mm-hmm. That's called day one of winning my pro debut. So what I'm saying is, every time I opened my phone to log my lifts right at the top. It told me exactly what I was doing. Wow. You know what I mean? So I, I read that every day and you got to believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I did believe it. And I, and I, I knew it was a possibility. Like, like, listen, why, why not? It got, I I'm, I'm good enough. I can do this. If I work hard enough, I can do it. So just believe it. You know what I mean? And, um, I made it happen. The power of, manifestation is something I commonly talk about. And recently Mm -hmm. I've become less of a fan of that term just because manifestation, I feel like is it's like the motivation versus discipline thing. Like motivation is fleeting and discipline, you know, you do what needs done. Right. I semi feel like, um, not everyone might agree with this and that's okay. This is just my thought processing. I, I sort of feel like manifestation can be something fleeting. Like, well, I'm putting it out into the universe. Like putting it out into the universe, I think is really powerful, but putting it into your soul and ingraining it into the embodiment of what you are and the way that you operate and, and how you go about life, the actions and the decisions that you make every single day, that's beyond manifestation. That's, yes. that's far beyond a manifestation. I, be, I, I just believe it's an unbelievably rigid form of self-belief. Um, yeah. Would you say that you have, like right now, I'm assuming for the Chicago Pro, you did something similar. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to win the Chicago Pro. Um, do you have something right now that you feel comfortable sharing with us as it pertains to the Olympia and maybe a placement at the Olympia? You know, I... 
I don't know that it's realistic, but like my head, my mindset, I keep saying like top 10, you know Let's what I mean? I look, I, I look at the top 10 and it's like, I understand that that top 10 is pretty stacked and it's pretty filled out. Like, but listen, it's, it's like a benchmark, right? If I'm like, okay, I just, I want a place, you know, it's like, it just doesn't feel like enough for me. So I, I just like, I, I really just want to nail a good showing and I'm looking at this list of guys and, and yes, I don't give up. I'm looking at a list of guys that I think I can beat. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I, I can beat this guy. I can beat this guy. Like I, I want to um, align myself. Not, not like I made it there and, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Like, I, I want to do well, you know? Um, yeah. You don't want to just mail it in and like, be happy. No, no. Like, I don't want to just stand on the stage and wave. Like, I, you know, I want, I want to <laughs> have, <laughs> you know, like I want to, I want to ha- have a good showing. So I'm taking this very seriously. I think yeah. I have a good, I think I have a good window mm-hmm. to progress. Like we've, we rebounded up and, and um, things are going really well. My body's like playing ball where I feel like during the prep, it just wasn't, I was dealing with a lot of stressors and it just felt like my body was kind of pushing back a little bit. And right now it just feels like things are clicking and grooving. And I think some of that, I would say the majority of that is like mental, right? I got the, I got the pro debut out of the way. My wife and I were buying a house that like, we were closing on a house right around the time that I'm trying to, you know, peak for my show. And it's like a lot of stress and like, and a lot of that. Congratulations on that, by the way, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. But yeah. So it's like, now I feel like, uh, just getting through that. I've proved to myself that I can do this Mm -hmm. and I've got that pro debut win. It's like a ne- another level of confidence and reassurance that you're on the right path. And I think that just the mental aspect of that has kind of allowed me to allowed my body to function a little bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to see you out there. It's uh, it's going to be cool to see you on stage. You know, obviously, Ross qualified, and it's going to be really cool to see uh, Ross so cool. out there. Yeah, like to like it, it's the next wave of young dudes. Like mm-hmm. you guys are, it's more than just bodybuilding. And I'm really excited for that. I'm I'm excited for where bodybuilding yeah. goes from here. Um, you have a very unique story, uh, given meningitis infection that you sure. had. And it yeah. took it took a couple of your fingers, like three of your yeah. fingers away from that. Can you explain what this process was like and like the adversity that came from this, Justin? Like that had to be extremely intense. So I would love to hear about the mental resilience that kind of compounded from that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when it, anytime you're dealing with something like that, it's like these profound experiences that really test you, you know, and there's always going to be some takeaway. Like, you know, I always say I learned more than I lost with that for sure. You know, and it happened to me at a young age. So I think I faced that adversity very young and I learned at a very young age, like life is fragile and you're not guaranteed anything. And sometimes you got to work really hard just to exist, you know? So like, I'll say that losing those fingers, it was at the time, extremely difficult. You know, I was a guy who rode BMX, BMX was my thing and we need to grip handlebars and I'm, and I'm missing half my hand, yeah. you know? So there's this, this level of doubt and uncertainty that, you know, I spent 90 days in the hospital after I had meningitis, you know, I was in there for three, three months. I was in the ICU for two months and another month in a, in a rehab facility. And that was just daunting. Yeah. You know, it's like, will I ever ride my bike again? I don't know. Like how, wh- how are things going to go at the time I was, you know, rehabilitating, relearning how to walk. I couldn't hold a fork and feed myself. You know what I mean? So like trying to look into the future and see how things were going to progress from there from a BMX standpoint was, was really hard. But I think what that teaches you is 
like the staying power. Right. And I think it's like the long game. And I think that's what body, that's what bodybuilding really is. I, you know, it was probably four or five years before I was like, I think I'm, um, back to normal. I think I'm, I'm like 21, 22 years old and I'm back to where I felt like when I was 17. And when I say that, I mean, uh, walking, running, eating, um, everything like health and you know i had multiple surgeries on this hand and then just like the, the next few years were very difficult like i got out of the hospital i was wheeled out in a wheelchair because i still couldn't walk you know so i was like gonna walk her and then it was, it was probably about a year before i was able to like take off in a jog where like i felt normal right i went into the hospital 150 pounds i came out 165 pounds i came out at 95 pounds you know so like it was years and years and years and years before i was like I think I'm, I think I'm all right. You know, I think I'm, I'm back to where, where my health was as a kid, wow. you know, how old were and, you when uh, this happened, Justin? So I was, I was 17. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was wow. 17, you know, and I had, I had liver and kidney failure. So I was on dialysis and, and, um, during that time I was on, on life support and I had a, what's called ARDS. It's acute respiratory distress syndrome. So the life support actually burst a hole in my lung. Cause basically what happens when you have ARDS is like your lungs turn into, to like a leather and that, and that, uh, life support burst a hole in my lung. So I dealt with a lot of respiratory issues coming out of that. That's why I couldn't really smoke. Right. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't smoke and I couldn't drink because the uh, liver and kidney failure and, um, my health was just, was severely compromised for a long period of time. So it was like years dealing with this, um, these respiratory issues and health issues and like just trying to get weight back on me. My hair was really thin. My fingernails were dying off, like essentially, you know, liver and kidney failure. I I was dying, man. I was only alive because I was on life support. Mm -hmm. So coming out of that was a, was a very, um, really long and, uh, long process that I learned a lot. And I, you learn a lot about your valuing your health and valuing, you know, just normalcy, you know, was there a time during this process that you felt like, like I'm going to die? Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, the day before the day before I got sick, I just had like, it was like the common cold. I felt, I feel like I had a flu, you know, it wasn't anything too alarming. I just felt like, uh, you know, I was, um, I had like a little bit of diarrhea and like, I just kind of was like little cold shakes and you know how it is. You're like, I need to go lay down. You're drinking some tea. And, and then I couldn't really keep fluids down. I couldn't keep fluids down. The next morning I was, uh, I got up and I was laying on the couch. Like, I remember my mom giving me like some ice chips and like trying to get some fluids in me. And I just, my body was just rejecting. And, uh, it just, it just ended up going so fast. Like just went from like, uh, yeah, I don't really feel good to, I went to get up and go to the bathroom and I, collapsed on the hardwood floor in my living room. My brother had to lift me up and put me on the toilet because I lost all bowel control. I was, I was, you know, pissing myself on the floor. Yeah. And it was like, I had no idea what was going on. And I, my brother sat me on the toilet and he's holding me up because I could, I didn't have the strength to hold myself up. So he's like, hold me up by my chest and he's holding me here. And my mom and my brother are in the bathroom. And I remember telling them, I, and I said this on the, on the podcast, there's a soundbite of me saying, saying this, uh, on the pure muscle radio podcast, but I remember telling them that I was dying. Yeah. And I remember, I remember looking my mom in the face and telling her I was dying. I knew it. I believed it a hundred percent. I could feel it. It was one of those, it was one of those things. Like when you have 
the liver and kidney failure internally you're shutting down i was dealing with some swelling in my brain so i was a bit i wasn't quite cognitively there and i remember feeling so i just was feeling so off and it was just so clear to me that this is what death felt like you know and it was it was just one of those moments that was like uh i'll never ever ever forget that feeling where we at mentally here obviously um, you go to the hospital, like, it's not like you're happy in the hospital. You're there for 90 days. You get out, you're yeah. a 17 year old man. You're, you, your nails are brittle. Your hair's falling out. You just had this experience that was so traumatizing where you couldn't even stand. You're, I mean, you're collapsing, like trying to go yeah. to the bathroom mm-hmm. while your friends, like specifically your best friend, who's so talented and yeah. like out there BMX in a way, and like mm-hmm. just, just your friends are out doing things, living life, and you're 95 pounds and it's it's difficult to walk. Yeah, I mean, where are you at mentally in this time frame? Man, it was a it was a really hard time. I recall, um, and just for the viewers that might not know, I I kind of I was rushed into the hospital. They jammed me full of fluids. They ended up taking a spinal tap uh, because they believed it might have been spinal meningitis. And they nailed that. I don't know if you're familiar with a spinal tap, but it's a needle about this long. They oh have God. to ha- hammer into your spine, pulled out the fluid. And um, yes, they ended up rushed me to the hospital and put me in a medically induced coma. I was in a coma for two weeks. And after that coma, I wake up and... Um, you know, I, my th- these three fingers are black as if like I had frostbite, right? So it was a lack of blood flow. So, you know, your body will take blood flow to keep your heart and your brain going and it pulls from the extremities. So first thing it did, it pulled from that hand. I also had like, it, it started to do it on my right, like butt cheek on the top of my glute. So what they said was it was starting to attack that leg and they thought that I was going to lose my leg from the hip because it's really no common. It'll, it'll start, it'll start high and work its way down. So like I have this scar right on the top of my, on top of my, like uh, the right side of my butt crack. There's like yeah. this blister where like they said the tissue started dying off and then it came back. But yeah, like they said that, that, as soon as they seen that, they're like, okay, this guy's going to lose his fingers and he's going to lose, lose that right leg. And it's not uncommon. There was during that time, there was um, a pretty bad breakout in Oregon. And there was a girl who played for um, who played uh, basketball uh, through Portland State University. She lost both her arms and both her legs from the knees and elbows. Oh, my goodness. Like, dude. I got so lucky, man. There was a guy in um, in my area that just lost his nose. Yeah. There was a girl that had lost all of the toes on both her feet. She actually came and visited me in the hospital afterwards. And I, I, man, I really, I remember how special that was and how much that meant to me that she took the time to come and visit me. And, um, you know, but to have only lost these three fingers and I still have my index and my thumb, like, yeah. dude, how, how lucky can you get? Absolutely. I can still, I can still grip and rip a barbell. I can yeah. pick up 500 pounds. I can deadlift 500 pounds, no straps, no problem. Wow. Seriously. You know what I mean? Like that's I, I, unbelievable, especially when you're looking at people who lost both their arms, both their legs. I could have lost my leg. It could have been much, 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 much worse. Yeah. And I, I consider myself so blessed and so lucky, man. Honestly, I, I, I can't even tell you, but to kind of double back on your question during that time, I'll be honest during that time, it was like that 17 to 20 phase. Right. So I had friends and a lot of my friends went down bad paths. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends started doing drugs drinking, doing that they shouldn't have done. And I wonder to myself, 
where would I have been if I was with these guys? Because that, that that friend of mine that I was talking about that is incredibly talented at BMX, he struggled with uh, drug addiction during that time. Like he got he got hardcore into into methamphetamine, and it, it we lost our friend there for a few years during that time. And uh, groups of friends kind of fall off, and like this little circle of people that you used to hang out with start you know falling apart and going their own different ways. But during that time. What I was doing was at home with my family, with my mom, rehabilitating and focusing on life. You know what I mean? Well, my friends were off kind of up and going through those trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. It, it rooted me and it made me focus on what was important. And I think it, it was a life-saving event. You know what I mean? I really, it was a blessing in disguise, whether at the time I, I, I knew it, I look back and I think of those years as the best years of my life. I think about weekly, these weekly doctor's appointments I had with my mom. And I would drive to the town over. It'd be a 35 minute drive with my mom every week. And we'd go to Costco and I'd go shopping with my mom and I'd do this with my mom. We'd listen to music and those, those memories. And I'm sorry, I, I lost my mom last year. Oh, wow. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Damn it, dude. My mom passed away last year of uh, cancer. But I think about, I think about those trips all the time. You know, I think about the music we used to listen to. And um, I think about, how selfless she was during that time. Like, you know, she quit her job and she, I was her job, you know, she was a full-time caretaker for me when I was in the hospital. My mom fed me my breakfast every single day for 90 days. She was there at 7am fed me my breakfast every single day. She lived in a fifth wheel trailer outside the hospital hooked up to their septic and power system is not a great situation. She's showering in this tiny little shower and a fifth wheel. She's there for me, man. And she never missed a day. And uh, I look back on those times and like, yeah, there are hard times. Best times of my life. You know what I mean? Like the the building relationally with my mom, the way I got to during that time and uh, looking back and seeing how selfless she was and how everything was about me, her son. And uh, it's beautiful. It was so special to me. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't be more grateful that that happened to me because it taught me so much. It brought me so much closer to my family. It taught me the value of, of, of life and death, these things that you don't want to think about, but you, I had to face them head on and I had to look it in the eye and realize that we're not guaranteed anything. And then when it all boils down, who's there, man? Mom was there, dude. Family was there. You know, these are things that really matter in life. And then, you know, these, these relationships, friends drift apart. And maybe this person that you used to be really close with, you're not close with anymore because they're off partying and you can't party. You know what I mean? But my mom, my dad, my brother, my little sister, these are the people that were there when I needed people most. That's who was there. You know what I mean? So it, it uh, there's so much value in adversity. And I think it's tough because, it, you know, you can't force adversity, you know, but, uh, you know, when when something bad happens to you please just uh, be open to the idea that it's a blessing in disguise and you will take away so much from it and uh, lean into it, man. You know what I mean? Understand that these, these phases where you're being tested, it's, it's a test and uh, you know, look around you and, and, and find the value in it because I promise there is some. Justin, I told you before the podcast started, I said, there's not yeah. many guys that I, I look up to um, in bodybuilding and life and, 
you know, anywhere. And Mm -hmm. the other day, I, I, like I told you, I, for the viewers, I have Christian here. He's my videographer. He does all the YouTube, everything. And the other day we were doing a grocery haul and he asked me in the grocery store, he said, um, he said, what, what bodybuilders do you look up to? Mm -hmm. And I think, I I think Justin was the first name that I said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Christian Christian was like, I, I think he he mentioned you first. And I was like, yeah, like that's kind of the top guy that I look up to, like you, you know, and Ross, like Justin Jacoby. But I I, I want to take you. this moment, absolutely. I, I want to take this moment, like while we have listeners tuned in, like I look up to you for so many reasons, but there's no greater strength that a man can have than to be able to show emotional vulnerability be able to really share a story to be able to impact other people and, and, and pay it forward to the people who got you to this point. And I yeah. think along the way, it's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm chatting with you and I'm listening to you and, you know, Justin, I'm not real tight with my, with my mom. I'm not real tight with my dad. My mom's birthday was yesterday. You know, like I don't call, I send a video. Yeah. I send a video to her. Um, sure. Yeah. Telling her happy birthday, you know, sending good vibes you know her and my yeah um sister like they're on a cruise right now for my mom's birthday like you know we're we're yeah. not tight so like i wasn't really invited to that and that's okay um yeah. you know my my dad his birthday was a couple weeks ago and it's kind of same thing i sent a video and i'm listening to you talk about your parents i'm like, you know like i you you are inspiring me through this conversation that's meant for other people to take things from you're inspiring me to kind of mend those 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 gaps and kind of you know build those bridges back up um because you know what at the end of the day it's like you're talking about your mom showing up for you and and being there every single day at 7 a.m and you know like when i was a kid like just like your parents had y'all had issues y'all had struggles of course your parents yeah, relationship wasn't perfect y'all didn't yeah. have billions of dollars to never worry about no. you know money <laughs> my parents were just doing the best that they could and your yeah. parents were doing the best that they could. And that looks different on everybody. Like, yeah, it would probably, but you know what, you know what else looks different on everybody yep. is their relationships and how they communicate and how they demonstrate their love for one another. And, you know, my, my family and I, we've always been very open and um, we're like emotional people. You know what I mean? I watched, I, my dad's the kind of guy that showed me at a very young age, you can be strong and you can be powerful and you can be vulnerable. You know what I mean? My dad was never afraid to cry at a movie if it was sad. You know what I mean? And like to talk to us as kids and talk about, you know, uh, you know, when our grandparents passed, he told us and and he was very emotional during that time. And I I remember, you know, my my grandmother passed away and she she passed away from a, a brain aneurysm at 58 years old. It was, it was terrible. And, you know, I was um I was six years old at the time, five years old at the time. And uh, my dad came in from the next room and he was he's, he's bawling his eyes out, you know, and he's crying. And I remember that so vividly. And I remember seeing my father like that. And I remember that being really impactful, seeing my dad so emotional about that. And I don't really know what about it was was so impactful, but it's just something that sticks with me. You know, it's something that I like seeing my dad be that vulnerable to, with us kids at that young age. And um I also, you know, I knew my dad was, he was a provider and he was, he was hardcore. He was like a a guy who was very regimented and, and strict and, but he was also a guy who could be very available and vulnerable and show his emotions and, and be that for us as a family. And I remember seeing the value in that at a very young age, you know? That's so powerful, man. That's so powerful. I, 
I commend you for being able to 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 display the emotions uh the way that you are. <laughs> I, I definitely learned at a later age, um yeah. like within the last couple of years, how to really communicate, be vulnerable, display yeah, emotions, well, all that well, stuff. Well, I'll be honest, you know, I've been off all my AIs since the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> so estrogen's up a little bit higher. Yeah, estrogen's up a little bit higher, yeah. It's all right, mine is too. We're, we're, we're pushing a little bit of uh, progestins and, and uh, some high <laughs> yeah. tests, so I guess yeah, mine's so. up there as well. Yeah, it is, is what it is. Sometimes I'm not in, in control of it, so. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, on, on, a, on a lighter topic, Justin. There's sure. a question that I like asking everyone who comes on the podcast that I would just love yeah. for the the listeners to have, especially uh, coming from you know yourself with all of these accolades and achievements. Do you have? I'm assuming you do. I'm be real disappointed if you don't. Do you have a set daily routine that every single day this these are my non negotiables that get hit? And if so, would you share that with us? Yeah. So I would say one of my most important things that I do in the morning. I wake up, I take my morning health supplements, obviously. I always make sure to spend a good 15 to 20 minute window sitting with a cup of coffee and reading my book. Beautiful. I get what book you read right sit. now. So right now I, f- I forget the name of the book. Um, my wife actually just turned me on to this book. It's actually kind of a, 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 a grim, weird book. It's about, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's like a, it's just like this, this weird book about this dystopian world where, uh, there was like a some form of disease that killed off all livestock, and now they're harvesting uh, human bodies. <laughs> so that's like it's it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh Is this book that my wife suggested? Yeah. So it's like it's like these like human breeding farms, and like it's just such a bizarre book. Like like listen, I'm not I'm not a self help guy. I'm not reading a, a, a you know books about success. Like I I like you know I, I like reading you know fantasy books and shit like that. You know what I mean? I like things that take me out of my world. And, um, you know, I don't really like, you know, like I said, like the, you know, how to be a millionaire in 20 easy steps. Like a lot of these guys, <laughs> I find a lot of those guys that are reading those books are usually, you know, working at a coffee shop. I agree. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> you know I mean? Hey, I want to make yeah. that, I want to make that the cover photo for this YouTube podcast. I want to say they're harvesting human bodies and it's just a picture of Shire, <laughs> and a picture of Shire on stage. Yeah. <laughs> like what is going yeah. on here? So yeah, that I, honestly, but I just, I just find that like, getting out of bed, not looking at my phone, getting up, taking my health supplements. Me and my wife, we both have a cup of coffee in the morning and we read our books. We don't, honestly, we don't talk to each other. We don't do anything. We just read our books for 20 minutes and then we start our day. And I've found that that to me, you know, obviously I have like a daily routine between meals and eating and training and work and all that, my workflow and stuff like that. But I find that starting my day like that is probably the most valuable thing that I've found has helped me just to maintain like, um, some rhythm in my day. Like I, I, it's consistent every morning and that's something that's important to me in my morning routine, just coffee and a book. I love Sim- it. It's, I love it's simple. That. It's simple, but it sets me up for my day. And, and, um, yeah, it's about valuable. how long after you get up, do you finally open up your phone? Well, I mean, dude, it's, it's tough. Cause like it, during a prep, like, you know, there's so much engagement and yeah. you know, it's exciting and you want to see what's going on, but You're right. I try, I try to not touch it for at least a 30 minute to 45 minute mark. I do know? about the same. I try to make it about right. It's difficult when like there's clients like in peak week who get well, up. That's, I was going to say there's a job. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's sometimes I'm like, 
I'm sometimes I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I know I have a client that's three hours ahead of me. That's a week out from his show. And I got to look at things, dude. So some, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, you know, there's, there's always, you know, some, uh, obviously there's going to be some reasons where you have to deviate, Yeah. but for, you know, for the most part, that's, that's my schedule, but yeah, I do something similar. If I like, I'll wake up and, um, like I've got my guy, Brad right now. I just, who I just, I just posted on my Instagram right before we started this podcast. He's just, he's so peeled. And you know, when mm. someone's so peeled, like, man, these updates are really important. We need to make sure that we can, you know, improve this look because yeah, you yeah. can lose things fast or you can, you know, change the look quite fast. Well, yeah. Body starts running away from you. And it does. Uh, yes. it, Sometimes like, I'm like, did you already eat your first meal? Dude, yeah, so, yeah, you're not so, so are, you're doing cardio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. he's up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, He's up before he's sending me pics at 4 a.m. Like, dude, I'm not on my phone till 545, 6. So I get up yeah, like yeah. right now. I'm up, I'm on my phone. But when I do that, I set a timer. Before I, I respond to Brad, I'm setting a three or four minute timer. And when that thing goes off, the phone's gotta go away. Like it has to be put yeah, back yeah. down. So like I agree. you get a pseudo effect of like not being on your phone, but you're like very much you're making decisions I know. and you're planning and, and there's like um there's like this it's chain reaction right where like yeah. I'll, I'll swipe off of my whatsapp the next thing you know my instagram's open and i i just did it autonomously think about it then i'm scrolling through then i'm looking at my message request and i go what the i know doing? get off your phone i know so my my wife has actually been been on top of me about it she was the one that really was like you need to get off your phone because what i would what i used to do mm-hmm. i would get off my phone or wake up and i'd be opening my phone and i'd be looking at client check-ins immediately yeah. I mean, and I'd be like kind of stressing and working, going, oh, fuck. And I'd be sending emails like my morning cup of coffee. I'm sending emails. I'm doing check-ins. I'm like texting my employees. I'm on the phone. And I was like, that first 30 minutes of your day, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you got to wake up 30 minutes earlier to Mm -hmm. accommodate for that time, do it. Go to bed 30 minutes earlier. Wake up 30 minutes earlier. Allow yourself that time to enter your morning free of stress. Get your brain wired and set up for the day like sometimes those phone uh, that stuff can be such a stressor it can set the trajectory for a good or a bad day so so i have a, a trick that might help you okay every week i change the location of instagram on my phone brilliant every week and so um this week i've been opening the bird app are you are you familiar with bird like scooters no no, no. Yeah. So like the, the bird app is just like for scooters. My like big cities have it because the bird app yeah. is where the Instagram app used to be. So every time the bird app opens, I'm like, like get off yeah, the phone. Dude. Got you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got you, bitch. Like I won. <laughs> that's be- so funny. Because- yeah, honestly, that's that's really smart because my wife would be like, what are you doing? Because like you'll just hear like a training clip or something pops. Up. I, like, I was like, I don't know. I didn't even mean to do it. My body, we're just so wired. We are, and it's it's sad. It's honestly, it's 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 not it's not our fault. Like these things are, are programmed. These yeah. things are programmed very very well. Yeah. to get in your in your head and and program you to open up these apps. So like, you know, I will just swipe off, and then I will just go like this. Yeah, I know exactly where the app is. You, you tap it, and then that's ah, yeah, the dopamine hits. Your, your brain is constantly yeah. craving them, so it's going to do whatever it can possibly do to achieve them. So, Justin, I have one. Final question for you, if you will. Sure. Um, Chicago Pro, you show up, you win it. Um, actually, I have two things. I have two okay. things. Number one, 
Is there any statement that you would like to make to people who comment on the back shots that have been posted about you that are in terrible lighting from the Chicago Pro who think that you don't look very good in your back shot? Is there mm-hmm. maybe something, some shade, or are we going to take the high road and play it classy? Or are we going to give a statement like, come to the Olympia and find out if my back shot sucks. I just, <laughs> I, I want to give you the grace to say whatever you would like to say to those individuals, if there's anything at all. Well, I'll just say this. I think over the years, I think as bodybuilding fans, we've all seen those stage shots where you're like, oh man, look at, look, everyone is out of shape. And it's like, people say, oh, top 10 of the Olympia, they all look soft. You're like, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I don't I think doubt that it. Yeah, you know, everybody, you know, and it's yeah. like, um, so it's it's one of those situations. If you weren't there, I think you can't quite accurately judge it. Now, I I'll say that um, there's always room for improvement, right? Like, I want to be better, and listen, I, I I will say, like, I plan on being better at the Olympia, um, but lighting is a bitch, man. And I'll and I'll say this, like. I looked at, I was just telling my wife yesterday, I said, look, I said, John, uh, John De La Rosa posted from the Chicago pro one time since Tampa, like three days after Tampa, he had posted like nine photos (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the lighting was different. The photographers were different. He had Will Whitman photos. He had Gilco there, like had all this content that really accurately represented, you know, what he looked like. So sometimes we just don't get a fair representation of what we looked like on that day. And, you know, I, I don't want to defend it. It just is what it is. I I know, I know that I, I look good. I brought a good package and sometimes the content just doesn't do us justice. And, um, it's a shame. And I think that as, as promoters, I think if, if I was a promoter of that show and I looked at the content that came out of that show, I'd be so upset. But, but, just- but, but now we have a recurring issue because last year there was, you know, poor shots. Um, yeah. you're some years prior that this has become a theme, a recurring trend. And I think it's yeah. frustrating because the Tampa pro lighting is awesome. Fucking killer. Oh man. Awesome. Well, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I, I was I was talking to Gilco and I told I told him um, I was like, man, I wish you were there. You know, I'd love to get some some of those Gilco shots. 4K, yeah. What he said was he was like, yeah, lighting was terrible, but don't worry, that stuff doesn't happen on my watch because I bring my own lighting. Oh. So he lights up the stage himself. I've been there like at nationals. Yep. He had guys just walking on stage, standing in front of him, and he's got his lights that he's adjusting yeah. to make sure his live stream, his videos, his photos are all accurately represented. He's adjusting his cameras before the stage even hits to make sure that these guys get like an honest, honest, you know, look at their, their physique. You know what I mean? And and like for, for the athlete, that's everything, right? Like I was, I want to walk out of these shows with these shots that I'm proud of. And, and uh, I didn't quite get that at Chicago. Listen, I think the judges, I, I won unanimously. Yep. I had, I didn't have any judge that didn't have me in first place. And people say that, you know, maybe John should have won. Well, and this is nothing against John. Some judges had John in third place. Yeah. So John almost got third. I didn't almost get second. Yep. So uh, okay. I feel great, feel great about what I did. You know I what love I mean? It. I'm, I'm proud I of myself. Um, yeah. I, I have to say, anytime you're on stage, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you to, to genuinely win. Um, Thank you. If you and Ross are on stage together, I hope there's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I, you were talking, talking about that Olympia lineup and like where I see myself. I yeah. I look at this like new wave of guys. I look at Ross, Tonio, yeah. Brett. Um, you know, I think Bruises it's his first Olympia, mm-hmm. but it's like I think I really think about like Ross, Tonio, Brett, mm-hmm. and um, 
maybe Roman is his first Olympia. I, I see that call out, right? I think that that's probably gonna be a call out that I'm in the mix with these guys. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be wild think, for me. I'm good I, friends with, with yeah, Ross, you, Brett. Like that'll be wild yeah. for me. <laughs> so it'll be really, it'll be really cool. And you know, I think that honestly, I'll be honest. I think Brett has the most potential to kind of push outside of that. Yeah, outside I, of that. I agree with that. I'll you know give respect props where it's due. Yeah. Uh, Brett's came a long way. He's very very good. And, he looks uh, he's good, packed, dude. Packed he's going to beat he some does. people. I commented that on his post. I was like, he, you are going to beat some people that yes. you probably shouldn't be beating. Um, but that being <laughs> yeah. said, you you know Chicago Pro. I'm watching and I'm like, well, if Shire loses this, I know he's doing Texas. So there was also a part of me that was like, I want you at my show. I want you at my show with that <laughs> yeah, TM yeah. behind you, but you know, yeah. you, you got the job done and I'm really proud of you for that. Uh, Thank you, man. Differences between last question, Chicago pro prep. Was mm-hmm. there anything you did different in that prep? Just you specifically, not necessarily a protocol like that. Sure. You and Matt did Justin Shire, the athlete. Did you do anything different that prep that you had never done before that you think translated to a, a much better outcome uh, when you got on stage? You know, I wish I had, I, I wish I could say that I did. Right. And I think um, I, that nationals prep went so well, I got in very good condition and we kind of nailed everything. I won my show. So I, in my mind, I was like, just repeat it. You know, we, we've done this before, just execute what Matt's doing. And, um, and it went, and it went well, obviously I won my show, but I will say this, Matt sent me an audio message the day after the show. And this stuck with me. He, he sent me an audio message and he said, um, you displayed that you have a, a a very big talent for this and that you can take this very far. You made that very obvious this weekend. He said, now I need you to shift your mindset. We're no longer trying to win your pro debut. You're trying to be one of the best in the world. Yeah. Like, so I need you to shift your mindset and realize that you're no longer that guy who won nationals, who's trying to do well at his pro debut. Now, now we're shifting our, our focus. You're trying to be one of the best in the world. And since that audio message, I really was, I was uh, inspired and I, I do believe in myself. And I do believe that in a few years, I think not a lot of people realize that, you know, outside looking in, you might not know that in 2019, I did my first show as a light heavyweight. I was out of shape. I I ran, that was my first cycle I've ever done. You know, like the guys that I beat on stage in Chicago were on the Olympia stage before I ever even competed. That's incredible. You know? So like, I'm, I'm very fresh to this. I'm very new to this. And I know that within a few years, I'm going to be pushing these top guys. I believe it 100%. I and believe it as well. Yeah. And Matt and Matt kind of told me, it was like, listen, it, now it's a different ball game. I need you. You were going to the Olympia. You need to focus on being the, the best in the world. And I think, I think how I'm already approaching this rebound and how I'm approaching things, not necessarily from an X and O standpoint, Listen, I got a meal plan and I and I eat what's on the plan. And I've got a training program and I follow my training program. There's just a, a, a different level of of focus behind that. And there's a different level of intent. And you talked about like the mental aspect of things. It's it's really the belief in how you execute just mentally. Like I can put the food on a plate and I can eat it and I can go and I can train. But you can also approach that like I'm trying to be the best in the world. So the way you do this and the way you execute this needs to be different, you know, and whether that's, you know, it it doesn't change anything in the plan. It just changes how you execute and how you program and wire yourself, whether that's how regimented your sleep is, how, you know, the meal, meal timing, like, you know, you never, ever miss a beat because sometimes these little things, you know, 
as minimal as they might seem 20 minutes of sleep missed here. And then like cramming two meals in a little tighter, like whatever it may be, you know what I mean? We've all been there. We're like, I missed a tricep movement because I showed up to the gym late and I got to go like that type of like, no, we're trying to be the best in the world here. Don't miss anything, anything ever. You know what I mean? That's beautiful, man. I, 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 uh, your mentality is very inspiring. I know that you're, um, you're going to be one of the best in the world and I'm excited to be, uh, supporting you along the way. And I'll look forward to when you get to come down to Austin, get to uh, sit in that chair over there and and training session together. I'll, I'll look forward to that. But Justin, I know you're incredibly busy. Thank you so much for not just taking the time out of the day, but really making the time count with the, the, the message that you gave to the people today. This is going to be a really popular podcast, um, episode and, it's because the way that you showed up and brought us. So thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, where can the people find you on Instagram and how can they best support you? Well, obviously, you know, my name, Justin underscore Shire on Instagram. You can also look me up on YouTube. I, I'm, you know, putting out now starting like an Olympia prep series. Anybody hasn't seen, we just did like a Chicago prep series. So like you can follow along that whole prep if you have any interest. Uh, but we're going to be continuing with the Olympia prep series. You know, trained by JP. These guys are amazing. They support me. HD Muscle. So my code Shire Ten for, for both. Uh, if you want to support me, support the people that support me. And um, and I just want to thank you for having me on, man. Honestly, you know, we all we all do a lot of these podcasts, and sometimes they go well, sometimes they don't. And a lot of that has to do with the host. You made this very easy. I had a good time. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate and value you, uh, the experience. So, yeah, well, thank you so much for that, man. I look forward to you coming on next time. And you guys, as always, I know you love the podcast. Make sure to share it with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to the YouTube. And we will see you guys next time. Peace.